Coast Church Charlotte. Um, all right, let's get started, guys. Uh, let me make sure that I have everything good on my end. I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, if you're new for some reason, thank you for joining us. Um, if you're a regular, uh, we miss you. We love you. Uh, we were gone longer than intended due to unforeseen drama, uh, the which thereof should be blamed upon others and not myself. <laughs> Glad to be back, and uh, we will we will see you all uh, shortly. I wanted to talk about a subject tonight that I thought uh, could be immediately applicable uh, to all of us, um, particularly, however, those who are new in their faith and are growing toward their spiritual purpose, and they are reaching to embrace their God-given difference-making ability in their world. Um, and that's why I chose for this next little while this subject uh, to talk about, uh, to learn from, and to invite you all uh, to uh, be a as it were, to consider and make it a part of your your life. And that is simply this question uh, to be asked by all of us, uh, and that is this, am I called uh, to the ministry? Am I called uh, to the ministry? So uh, I want you to think about that for a moment. If you've been serving the Lord for a few years, you have already thought about that for more than a moment. You have carried that with you you have held it on more than one prayer uh, place, altar, closet. You have wrestled with this idea, what does it mean to be called to ministry? What does it mean to have a specific, God-given, biblically-founded mission, purpose, call on your life? And so uh, I want to encourage all of you to believe that God chose you on purpose and I want all of you to remind yourself and others that God has a purpose for choosing you, for placing you, for empowering you, for growing you. It's not enough for us to be uh, preferred and beloved children who never leave the spiritual nursery. That's not enough. Uh, there is spiritual growth that must happen. There is spiritual progress that must happen. Am I called to the ministry? So let's jump in. Um, first, we'll answer this question. What do we mean when we say ministry? Now, if you've been around church very much, you've heard uh, it referred to by vocational ministers, people who are involved in full-time ministry as a vocation. They got they, they got a specific degree. They went down a specific career choice or path. And the result of that is that congregations, uh, churches of all sizes and all types, considered to employ them as a vocation in full-time ministry. And so in modern Christianity, it's really common for you to hear someone say when they're teaching, when they're preaching, I knew I was called to preach when I was 20 years old, or I knew I was called to preach when I was 15 years old. Um, and you kind of know what they mean by that. 
I would say if you've been in church any length of time at all, you know exactly what they mean by that. Um, Because the way we use the term called to ministry is really referring to uh, teaching or leading groups of people as a full-time vocation. You have that as your uh, job, your career choice. And this is an honorable thing. A ministry in this manner is an honorable thing. Um, You will find the biblical precedent for it. uh, When the Apostle Paul, seeking to empower the church, seeking to organize the church for both effectiveness and efficiency. Efficiency is doing things right. Effectiveness is doing the right things. You can be very efficient doing something that's very ineffective. (laughs) And so we want to be both effective and efficient. And Paul wanting to do that, he sought to organize the church. And he believed that as ministers, it would be well-suited that some of them give themselves to full-time ministry, studying of the word, teaching, um, while others of them gave themselves to full-time care of the church. I want you to see the difference. So Paul and the ministry, the ministers who were in like place in the congregation. Uh, maybe I should talk about that a little bit. Um, you can. The Bible teaches us to know them that labor among among you. Um, so Paul was known. Um, he was placed by God. He was anointed. So the question was not simply, um, is he anointed? There's another question that isn't as obvious, and that is this, is he trusted? This is what this Bible is saying when he says, know them that labor among you. In other words, some people are worthy of trust. And if you're going to place someone in a role of church, ecclesiastical, uh, spiritual ministry, it's not enough for them to be anointed. They need to be trusted. One of the things you will learn as you study the Bible, as you grow in your faith, people can use God for many different things. Not all of them are of God. Think about that. People can use God for many things, but not everything they are doing is of God. I can quote scripture like the devil. I can lead Christians like a con man. I can bargain for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and need an apostolic rebuke. Know them that labor among you. And so here you see Paul is not just anointed. He was anointed when he spent years um, in in obscurity. He was anointed when he had no place to preach. He was anointed when he went back to his homeland to make tents. He was anointed, but he was not known. So he did not have a place, do you see? Now, what happened in the life of Paul? Barnabas, that great leader, um, uh, founder of the church uh, in Antioch, he knew of Paul's anointing, do you see? But Paul did not have trust. He wasn't known. So Barnabas called Paul to come to where he was and help him in ministry, introducing him to the church. Now, if you know anything about New Testament history, you know this took a little while for Paul to be as trusted as he was anointed. 
Um, one of the biggest errors we make in ministry is when we do not give time, we are too impatient to build trust. And we are irritated that people are not as impressed with our anointing as we are. So Paul is highly anointed, but he was highly anointed making a tent. He was highly anointed seeking out uh, spiritual direction in Arabia, do you see? Um, But Barnabas makes him known. And so now Paul is placed in a specific place. He's not just anointed. He's known. He's in a place of trust. So he says, look, those... Uh, let, let me give myself and others, um, whether it is Silas, uh, whether it's Timothy, whether it is uh, the other great notable public communicators of the New Testament church, let's give ourselves to the uh, spiritual pursuits, to the study of the word of the Lord, and let's find people who specialize in the care of the church. Let's find others who can work in the business of the church. All effective churches find their own way of doing this. There's no hard and fast way you have to do it like this or like that. Um, But all effective churches find a way of taking care of the many needs that exist within an a healthy, effective church by organizing the team members to meet uh, and serve those needs. So when we say ministry, we are referring to these kind of full-time preachers. You know, they went to seminary, et cetera, et cetera. They maybe worked in a uh, support position. Uh, They may have worked in a volunteer position. I don't know of anybody in ministry who did not start as a servant, a volunteer. Um, And then one thing leads to another. The Lord opens the door. The Lord makes known his anointing. Trust is built. They are elevated. They now become part of the um, formal leadership of the church. And we think of that person as now, what do you do for a living? I'm a minister. I'm a pastor. Uh, that is how we use this. And when we testify us vocational ministers, you'll hear us say things like, I knew I was called into ministry at thus and so age. Uh, the question we should ask ourselves is, Although we use ministry in this manner, is this how ministry is used in the Bible? And the answer, of course, is no. This is not how the term ministry is used in the Bible. Um, We're not wrong to use it the way we use it. We know what we mean by somebody being in full time or um, some large portion of their vocational work in church work, ministry, etc. That's not how they used it in the New Testament. Let's look at that. Ministry is from the Greek word, D-I-A-K-O-N-E-O, which means uh, in its literal interpretation to serve. It also has a variation, D-E-O-L-E-U-O, or D-O-U-L-E-U-O, which means to serve as a slave, So when the Bible uses the term ministry, they do not refer to the fact that first I went to college, then I went to seminary, then I got a job as a youth pastor, then I got a job as an assistant pastor, and then I became a lead. That's not what they're referring to in the scripture when they talk about ministry. So when we ask ourselves this question, am I called to ministry? I want you to use the word minister and ministry in its biblical form, not in the vocational form. I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I called to serve and bless other people? And I would say, 
100% absolutely yay and amen. You would ask yourself, am I called to uh, represent God's goodness, God's service, God's grace, the hope of transformation to other people? And there's only one answer if you're a a fair student of the Bible, and that is absolutely uh, you are called to ministry. So you can see immediately how uh, there is this kind of um, tension not not serious opposition, but this little bit of tension between how we use ministry as a vocational call and how the Bible uses ministry as a way of being like Jesus. I want to say it again, as a way of being like Jesus. Jesus is our example. More, Jesus must be our example. Matthew 20, 28, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, I want to bring this home. I want to put a pin in this and, and, and really kind of bear down on this. If, if we are going to be Christians and not just religious people, we're going to have to take the example of Jesus's life seriously. We cannot simply join a church, claim a theological or denominational layer, and say that is Christianity. Um, That is um, a form of Christianity. That is not a life that is in the way that Jesus manifests. And so you guys hear me say this a lot, but I want you to know I say it to myself too. I'm not just banging you over the head with it. Um, It's possible for us to have an idea of what church is that is given to us by our upbringing and our culture, not through the serious, sincere study of the Bible, because Jesus did things and he did them well. He did specific things and he made a point to do them He put them in the story, more he applied them in his words, and he gives them to us, not as formula, but as a way of being. And he says, look, (laughs) paraphrasing here, this is the Nathaniel Joel version. You know, I'm not just here to be here. I'm showing you something just as the first Adam showed you a way. And just as through the first Adam Sin came into the story and broke a perfect world, just as through the first Adam. A way was shown, and you were invited to live that way. I'm going to show you another way. And just as the way the first Adam chose, just as that way broke the world, the way I'm going to show you will make a broken world whole. And so, we don't manifest right Christianity by a certain amount of church attendance, although church attendance is extremely wonderful and helpful. We don't manifest a Christian way simply by being, as it were, a good steward of ourselves and being disciplined with the flesh, et cetera, et cetera. That's all good and part of it. But I want you to see, we have to follow in the way of Jesus. If you would be my disciple, deny yourself, number one, 
take up your cross, number two, then follow me. If you don't deny yourself and if you don't, if you do not pick up your own redemptive purpose, that's the point of the cross. It's how we're going to make a broken world whole. My redemptive purpose, if you don't pick that up, you'll follow him for a while. But when the road gets hard, you'll leave with the crowd because not everyone's there for a cross. A lot of people are there for a blessing. A lot of people are there for manna. A lot of people are there for entertainment and a show. I'm going to look in the mirror and ask myself why I'm there. Why am I here? If I did not turn away from self, remember self is the opposite. Lucifer is not his own God. He just showed us the way to serve self. And then he invited all of us to serve ourselves just as he served himself. That's the Lucifer religion. Serve yourself. Jesus comes along by Adam. The world was broken. Sin entered in. But if you walk in my way, you can be part of a new kingdom. You can be part of building a new heaven and a new earth. And just as the old way was wrong and got it wrong, this new testament in my blood is that which will make whole a broken world. So we must seek, hear me, we must seek to bless and serve other people as a spiritual way of pleasing God. We must seek to bless and serve other people as a spiritual way of drawing close to the heart of God. We must serve and bless other people as a way of living out God's redemptive purpose in a broken, sinful, flawed world. And that service cannot just be to the people we like. That service cannot just be to the people we get along with. Even the heathen are nice to the people they like. Our service must reach beyond divisions of race, class, politics. Yes, that's a hard one. I know, but just gulp and keep, keep, keep going with me. <laughs> and if we fail to do this, serving and blessing others as a spiritual way, not a salvation formula, a spiritual way of being, if we fail to do it, we'll still be religious, but we will not be followers of the way that Jesus showed us. So let me say it this way. Answering this question, am I called to ministry? Christianity without ministry is not Christianity. Ministry is blessing and serving others as a spiritual way to being like Jesus, to manifesting the heart of God, to leaving a testimony, to making a broken world whole. And if we don't do it, if we just satisfied because we clapped our hands enough on Sunday and then we ignore everyone else, um, this is the hard way, turning away from self. You know, a lot of times us preachers, we like to name a specific sin and then say straight is the way and narrow is the gate. Uh, Jesus didn't say that to sinners who are having problem, problems going out to nightclubs. He said that to church people who were having problems not using religion to serve themselves. That's the straight way. That's what's hard. Uh, why is it hard? Well, besides the fact that our, our flesh is endlessly clever <laughs> and always looking for an easy way to serve itself, um, there is a difficulty of navigating how we live in the world where we are harmless and yet wise. Harmless and yet wise. Harmless as a dove, wise as a serpent. 
Um, this is a challenge. This will feel like you're continually asking the Lord, did I do that right? Did I get that right? Was I unfair? Was I unkind? Was I ugly? Because it's now a way that you're trying to find. It's not a theological billy club you're hitting over somebody's head. You're trying to get this right. I want to be part of God's solution to make a broken world whole. And the only way that can happen is if this carnal nature within me is transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, which I need a supernatural transformation if I'm going to manifest God. And I become part of the solution, a celebration of God's grace, a celebration of spiritual transformation. And you get the idea. Um, do I have to be called into ministry? Now, where does this come from? Now, again, back to the dual use of the term. On one hand, we have vocational ministry, guys like me who are essentially full-time. Uh, and it, it takes the vast majority, if not all of our time, um, no matter what day of the week is, Sunday is coming, you got to have something to say. No matter what night of the week it is, I can get a call. And if necessary, I'm on my way to a hospital or a roadside accident. You get the idea. Doesn't happen much. That's not the point. I'm willing to go. This is full-time vocational ministry. We use terms like called for that. But do not make the mistake of thinking that the ministry the Bible talks about is something you have to be called for. Hear me when I say this, you have already been called for biblical ministry. Yes, full-time vocational ministers will talk about receiving their call to ministry, but to every believer who said they want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have already been called. Um, and so this is, uh, this is uh, to be understood um, for the full-time vocational speaker as that moment they made a specific decision to pursue Christian leadership as their vocation. That, re that referred to big decisions they had to make about educational paths, about career paths, about internships, about serving for free. Your whole life changes the moment you decide to pursue full-time vocational ministry. And it's difficult because um, it's like uh, my wife and I, 22 years old, and she was 21, and we left to go full-time on the field, uh, two or three places to go, nothing after that. Was, I, you don't know if you're going to, you don't know if anyone's going to call. You don't know if the ministry is going to happen. I remember when I thought I was ready to pastor and nobody called to ask me to pastor. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Um, that's a whole life choice. However, for every believer, ministry is not referring to that full-time vocational career. Ministry is serving and blessing others. And you don't have to be called to serve and bless to others again. Why? Because you've already been called. Nearly every word out of the mouth of Jesus in some way is either calling you or preparing you to follow the call or challenging you to embrace the call. You, you understand what I'm saying? This is what it means to be a Christian. Now, I want to very quickly give you a, a summary of some passages. I do not have all of these in your notes, so I'm going to I just ask you to listen along. I'll start in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 3 and 27. Uh, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. We, as Christians, must believe deeply in serving and blessing other people. 
Proverbs 19 and 17, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. You are called to bless and serve other people. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are part of divine redemption for a broken world. You must bless and serve others. This theme goes on and on. I hope, I, I just hope by the time I get done reading all of this, I hope somebody is saying, my God, preacher, you made your point because I'm about to make my point. Matthew 23 and 11, the greatest among you, you want to be great? Here's your formula, will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Are you noticing a theme here? How about Matthew 25, 40? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. How about uh, Mark 10, verse number 42? This is the same passage we read in Matthew chapter number 20. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many Oh, I'm not tired. I'm just getting started. <laughs> Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You want to be a part of God's kingdom? You need to serve and bless people as a spiritual way of honoring and following God. Acts 20, verse 35, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, that the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Uh, Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be freed, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 6 and 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. How about Philippians 2 and 3? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Hebrews 6 and 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. I want to, I want to pause and build here three tabernacles. <laughs> the Lord is not unjust. 
He will not forget your work and love you have shown him. Who are we showing love to? We're showing love to God. How are we doing it? By helping his people and continuing to help them. Remember, ministry is to bless and serve other people as a way of serving, blessing, honor, honoring, and glorifying God. There is no Christianity without ministry. And if you have a Christianity that primarily is about how many times you went to church, you need to reread the New Testament because you missed something. It was pretty big. If your Christianity is primarily about how spiritual you kind of move in your world and act and, you know, like a Pharisee, everyone sees you when you pray. And if that's your version of Christianity, you need to reread the Gospels because you missed something pretty big. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Hebrews 13 and 6 and 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I'm going to wrap up with this one, 1 Peter 4 and 8. Oh, there's more. There's a lot more. But I think 15 verses is enough to make my point. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. People experience the grace of the church before they experience God's grace. And the sad thing about that is a lot of people never survive their experience with the grace of the church. Every one of us believers, every one of us believers, every one of us believers are administrators. We are stewards of God's grace. And before people ever experience the grace of God, they experience the grace of God's people. And I and going to move along because I feel like I have thoroughly uh, threshed the wheat in that basket. Uh, Jesus will take this even further when he says things like these, um, Matthew 25 and 35. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So ministry, real ministry real ministry, not full-time vocational career, which is an honorable thing and a good thing. Real biblical ministry is serving and blessing other people as a spiritual path to knowing and pleasing God. So this leads us to the next third, uh, next logical question is, okay, you've convinced me preacher that I need to, you know, I, I, I will, I will need to, you know, Take, take action here. So where do I start? What's my action step? Well, I'm going to give you three easy things to remember. And the first one is a commitment you're going to have to make to the Lord on a regular basis. I would say daily basis. And that is this. You need to commit to others as a spiritual path to pleasing God. You've heard me say that repeatedly. I'm telling you, if, if you're having trouble with this, read any of the Gospels. <laughs> Just, it's this, this is the way. Um, serving others is a spiritual path to knowing and pleasing 
God being part of spiritual redemption of a broken world. And I just want to say something here in this, in, to make this point. We do not serve others to make them like us. We do not serve others to feel good about ourselves. We do not serve others to be good enough so we can go to heaven. All of that is flawed foundations. We serve others as a spiritual path to pleasing God, which is why if you gave a cup of water in, G- in the Jesus' name, uh, it is not lost. But they didn't come to church. It is not lost. I taught them a Bible study. They never got saved. It was not wasted effort. I helped them move. They never even visited church. They never came to my small group. It is not wasted effort. Stop the transactional thinking of this broken world and recognize whether or not they responded, you needed to testify of God's grace by ministering and serving to others. Do you see? And so we're not doing it to make them like us. They may or may not like us. We're not doing it to make ourselves feel good. It feels great to help other people, but that's not why we're doing it. We're not even trying to be good enough where God owes us heaven. There is nothing that can be <laughs> that indebting to God. Um, we, are, we, we need God's grace in our life. Um, we are doing it as a path of pleasing knowing, honoring God. So that's the first thing. I'm going to remind myself on a regular basis. I help, I serve, I give. It's the way. It's my way. It's the Jesus way. How will they know if you are my disciples? Jesus says as a last word to the disciples. How will they know if you have love one to uh, another. Um, the second thing, having made that commitment, and I, uh, just to be honest, full disclosure, if you don't make that a commitment in your life, it'll slip away like a snowflake in your hand. It'll be gone. You have to come back to that as a spiritual way. This is what I'm called to do. Um, the second thing is to look for the needs that are around you. Uh, you're surrounded by needs. I'm surrounded by needs. Um, and the truth is we can't meet all the needs are even most of them. That's the truth. I have needs come at me nonstop every day, and you do too. And most of them, I can't do anything out how, about. However, because of your unique construction, as it were, because God made you unique, there will be certain needs in the flood of needs. Remember, Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. He was speaking spiritually. He was speaking spiritually and literally. Needs are endless. You can't meet them all. But what you're looking for is the need that suits your gifts because you give out of your overflow. And so you uh, get involved um, in solving the needs where you can make a difference. If you try to solve a need where you have no talent, you don't make a difference. You make a mess. I wish I had some church folks and I could turn your mics back on. Everybody shout amen real quick. Um, If you get involved, it's like me trying to take over uh, the praise and worship at First Church. Um, It's I don't have any talent there. Now, I pretend like I do, but it's all just fun and games. I don't have any talent there. Okay, so what can I make there? I can make a mess. I can't make a difference. But there's other areas where I have some skills. I have some gifts. So what I'm looking for is I can't fix everything. 
What I'm looking for is the, the arena, the opportunity of ministry where I can make a difference, not a mess. And so what we're committing to this way of serving and blessing others. Secondly, we are looking at the flow, the river of needs that are around us. And we're looking for the needs that fit our giftedness, what God has prepped us to do, because we want to make a difference, not just a mess. And having opened our eyes to that reality, that we can't do everything, but that is no excuse to do nothing. Uh, we have to make a decision to get involved. Here's the here's the 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 truth. So help me God. The sooner you get involved, the sooner you can start learning. Because if you want to make a difference, you've got a lot to learn. Whatever it is, you've got a lot to learn. But the sooner you get involved, the sooner you can make a difference. Involvement. Involvement will enable the growth of new confidence, new abilities, and you will be able to manifest to the world that you are committed to the Jesus way of spiritual life. The Jesus way of spiritual life. What will that do? They will see your changed heart as a testimony of God's grace. And you will become known, not just anointed. The, the, every, you know, I, I evangelized for a long time. And um, when I first started evangelizing, I thought that we could pray our way to rev a revival. And um, I, I now as an older minister, I, I recognize that every frustrated church that I had ever, that I ever preached in had praying people in it. Now, most of us need to pray more. I'm not saying that. Um, I'm just trying to say, you can't simply say, oh, if you're not getting this, it's because you're not praying. How do you know you're not with those people? They might be praying a lot. Um, however, it's, so my point is this, it's not enough to be anointed. I need to be known. And so um, I know uh, you believe in your anointing. I believe in your anointing. And I believe in my anointing. I was there in the prayer room. I got what I felt like was direction from the Lord. You know what I'm saying? But if nobody knows you, they won't trust your anointing. And so by living this way, people open their hearts to you because people always open their hearts to real acts of kindness. They're always surprised by them. They always look at you like, huh, who would have thunk it? <laughs> it's always a little bit of a surprise by real acts of kindness. So we're going to make a commitment that this is a spiritual way. Our spirituality is not how strict we are with a, a rule set from Moses. Our, our spirituality is not how strict we are on other people. You know, uh, most people love to be strict on others and easy on themselves. It's the way of the flesh. Our, our, our spirituality is not even based upon what we feel because there's going to be times we don't feel anything. We see a way that Jesus manifest and invited us to walk in. And that is this. I want, to, I want God's richest blessings for the people in my life. I want to serve them. I want to bless them. And it is my way. In the Old Testament, they went and they offered an animal on an altar and the smoke went up and that was their style. That's what they did. But in this New Testament, we focus our eyes on Jesus Christ and we walk in his way. What he did is what we're trying to do. We believe upon him. We believe that he is the very manifestation, the personification of redemption in this broken world. And if people will turn toward that, 
him, his way, his calling. Let his perfection cover their imperfection. Take on his name. Be changed by a divine set of values rather than a life after the flesh. Filled with his spirit and presence. Yes, uh, you, you guys get the point here. I'll move on. So you make that commitment. Then uh, having done that, having done that, you begin to look at the needs that are coming across. You're, you're you know, sitting sitting on a river and you're watching needs go by and you, there's a lot of things you can't do. You make more of a mess than a difference. But then if you look, God will show you something that you can do. And now you have to get involved. Put your shoulder to the wheel, reach out, grasp it. Growth will begin the moment you start acting. Growth will begin when you put yourself in that risk slash stress situation. So get involved. Find a church, find a ministry, invest yourself, and you will find, like Jesus said and Paul preached, it's better to be on the giving side than it is the receiving side. Because in God's kingdom, to give means I am overflowing. And in God's kingdom, to ask means I don't have enough, even for my basic necessities. It's not a scarcity-based kingdom. It is an abundance-based kingdom. And so that is, uh, we'll end there. And uh, I will take a moment here for us to um, uh, kind of uh, take a breath, or at least maybe I will. I'll take a breath. And uh, I'm going to start looking. Um, uh, Vicki has a great point here. And uh, while I'm reading this, I, I want to give you anybody else an opportunity to type in a question that they have. Um, Vicky's point uh, is, what is vocation as a Christian or a servant without seeing it as training or work? Um, what you're saying, Vicky, is something that is foundational to anybody who is actually in full-time vocational ministry. Um, because if we're not careful, and I'll speak for myself, I get my ego of career mixed up in duty and mission of divine calling. Um, let me try to say that more simply. I begin to judge the work I'm doing for God on the basis of my ego rather than the basis of God's calling. Um, and that is an ongoing battle for all full-time ministers. And that is why all pastors more than, uh, more than rarely, very regular have to take their everything they're doing, they have to take their preaching, they have to take teaching, they have to take the, the, the good they want to do for the church, they have to take the church itself, and they have to lay it on an altar, and they have to say, God, you have to build this church. I can't build a church. You have to add to this church. I can try to build people. I can try to encourage, uplift, and exalt people, but you, Lord, you build uh, the church. And so that's not a stupid question at all. Indeed, I would say that's the most fundamental element of full-time ministry of making sure although the church you've reached a point where you're not just anointed you're known and so a church wants you to be a voice a steady stable pastoral voice in their life so now you're not just anointed there's a lot of anointed people i, I hate to say this but i think all most of you guys have been serving god for a minute and so you know this there's a lot of anointed places not anointed people who have nowhere to preach um, it's not because they're bad people. It's because for whatever reason, they have not got become known 
sometimes I think it is just the the the, the way of the world of uh, the way of humanity working. They haven't had a spotlight put upon them. I'll give you I'll give you an example on this because I think this is helpful, um, although it may seem odd. Um, my favorite preacher, just if I was going to pick my favorite preacher who makes me feel more chill bumps than anybody else is T.D. Jakes. Now, I know that may offend some of you, but that sucker can preach. Oh, my goodness. If I could preach like him, I'd be driving a Bentley like him. Um, You know, you understand what I'm saying. Um, um, But do you know, um, if you go, if you go on the internet and you dig way back, you can find some stuff of him preaching and there are 30 people in the congregation. Now you think about this. I want you all to think about this. There's 30 people in the congregation. He tells stories of not having enough money to make his car payment. The church he pastored didn't, couldn't afford a janitor. And so he would go clean the church himself and, uh, and, and people come by and you know, the, the story is that he would always be, preaching and his wife used to tease him about he's preaching while he vacuumed the church and she said what are you doing he said i'm rehearsing (laughs) true story true story now think about now he preaches to thousands his lifetime earnings is in the multi remember it for him it's not just a calling of ministry it's his vocation too it's his career opportunity when he sells a book he makes money we don't need to be cynical about that uh, you, so you gotta, you gotta live. You understand what I'm saying? Um, nobody has to give him money. Um, and so I'm not trying to justify all that a lot, a lot of TV preachers have done with money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, let's, let's be fair. He writes a book. He, he, he deserves to get $2 for the sale of that book. Um, what happened? What happened where he goes from pre- preaching to 30 people in a backwoods church when I say backwoods, that sounds pejorative, and I apologize. What I mean is a small, uh, kind of rural church, in, um, and now he's preaching, flying around in private jets, driving Bentleys. You understand? How did that happen? Well, uh, he wrote one book, and you probably all have heard of it, Woman, Thou Art Loose. And that book was discovered by one Christian network, TV network. They brought him on. The moment was not bigger than him. He was bigger than the moment. They threw him a pitch. He knocked it out of the park. They threw him another, he knocked it out of the park. He was just as anointed vacuuming the church. Do you guys see? He was just as anointed vacuuming the church, preaching where his wife is teasing him about rehearsing. As he was flying in a private jet, you understand what I'm saying? Preaching to thousands. He was just anointed. But what was the difference? He wasn't known. And so um, for the pastor, this tension, we have to make sure that we're not placing everybody else's ego on the altar and keeping our ego off of the altar. We have to lay our ego on the altar, too, and say, God, it is your church. All right. I'm taking too much time. I got to move quickly. Um, Anthony, what if, what if it seems as every time we try to get involved in ministry, we fail? I would say welcome to ministry. Um, um, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to be curt, but I, I'm here to tell you what we imagine in our mind that God's going to do is almost always different than what God actually does. Even in the Old Testament, New Testament, the way God brings them victory always surprises them. 
Uh, they didn't expect it that way. And many times they have to, they're on a, they're, they're at a localized maximum as a statistician would say, they have to go down before they can go up. You see what I'm saying? Um, and so um, I, I, here's the answer to that. I don't care how I feel. I was called as a divine way to serve and bless others, whether it feels good or not. This is uh, the way. Um, Eric had a question. What are your thoughts and suggestions on how to be or is there a way to be a church minister to the hurting without hurting um, yourself? Again, um, um, that is a whole lesson in itself. How do you give when you have nothing to give? Um, and who pays the price uh, for ministry? Those of you strong in the Lord, uh, what we tend to do is overcommit ourselves. And then it's our family who pays. It's not us who pays. It's our family who pays. Uh, most of the times when a pastor resigns a small church that they've tried to start, it's not them that were giving up. It was the extended effects that was upon um, them, their families, the churches, the core families. Um, I, if you guys, those, those of you who have been through first steps, I, I, the first lesson I talk about the seven pastors who came to Charlotte before my dad did. The church was founded in 1956. There were seven pastors before my dad came. Their average tenure uh, was about 18 months. And it's easy for us to look at them like, oh, they're quitters. No, you don't know who was paying the price and I'm okay when I'm the one paying the price, but there comes a point where it's my kids paying the price. And this is why there are so many preacher's kids who have, they are destitute of faith. It's because they were forced to pay a bill. They did not agree to pay. Now, um, this is a complicated subject. We're not going to do it justice tonight, um, but... As far as the feelings of failure, as far as feelings of how do we help with and not hurt ourselves, all of these are um, issues of spiritual maturity. And my goal tonight is uh, not to um, spend much time in that, but to, to reignite within all of our heart the simplicity of serving and blessing others. If we're not careful, we will build a crystal chandelier of theology where if you take any one crystal out, the whole thing falls apart because now, you know, 90% of the Christians who ever lived are going to hell because you've got this crystal chandelier that is so fragile. You touch any one thing, the whole thing falls apart. Now you have to send everybody to hell. Um, that is not, dearly beloved, I, I worry you would remove yourself from the simplicity that's in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Serve and bless other people. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Put your confidence in the Lord. Choose him as a way. Live as uh, with others as a goal rather than self as a goal. All right, I got to move along. So, um, uh, Carlos, this is a big issue, um, and I'm so glad you're bringing this up, and I'm with you, my brother. We that are inverter, in, introverted seem to have, I almost said inverted. I haven't seen anybody inverted, but if anyone would like to send me a picture of you and a picture of you inverted, I'll show the church. Um, we that are introverted seem to have a harder time in being known and trusted. Do you have any suggested suggestions for introverted people? Well, the first thing I want to do with, with the Carlos is I want to disagree. <laughs> um, it's not any harder for you. It just feels harder because you paid a higher price to put yourself out there. It's not any harder for people to know and trust you. It's just you have to pay a higher price 
to put yourself out there. That's the bad news. The good news is because you're introverted, you have a higher sensitivity and often uh, you will have success with people that an extrovert would have ran off. And so don't mistake difficulty of context for difficulty of personality. Uh, introverts can be tr just as trusted, just as known as extroverts. Um, it's just they paid a higher price to put themselves out there. Uh, suggestions for introverted people. Yes. Um, pick a ministry where the focus is not on you and bless the ministry by being a stable, supportive member. Um, bless, show up, speak confidence to the person. Before you have the courage to put yourself out there, recognize other people who are taking a chance and putting themselves out there and develop a ministry of um, uh, edification. Before you put yourself out there, notice the people putting themselves out there and speak blessing over, over them. Um, you will create your own small group of support because there's a lot of people like you wanting to make a difference. And when you support them, they will support you. There's a term for this in the Bible. It's called the local church. <laughs> um, so, all right, uh, we got to wrap up here. Can you serve even as you are building your faith? Um, I hope so. Cause otherwise I need to resign. Um, yes. Um, I am far from having the faith. I wish I had, but I'm still trying to serve. I'm far from having the confidence that I wish I had, but I'm still trying to serve. I am, I am a lightning bug beside a lightning strike comparing who I am to who I wish I was in God, but I'm still trying to serve. Perfection is your enemy. Let the church say amen. <laughs> Perfection is your enemy look at the river of needs that flow around you every day look honestly there's a bunch of those needs you have nothing to say on there's a bunch of those needs you would make more of a mess than you would anything else that's the truth but there occasionally will be a need that comes by and you're like i can make a difference not just a mess and when you do that jump on it and learn don't jump on it and then expect to be applauded. You will not do anything else. Jump on it and learn. I, the team can tell you every time we do something new. Now everybody says it to everybody. But in the beginning, I felt like I was a lone voice in the wilderness. Let's get started so we can learn. We're not. Here's what you don't say. Let's get started so we can be the local church hero in the Charlotte metro area. No, you will do nothing for God. I'm getting involved so I can learn. I'm not getting involved so I can be discovered. If that happens, that's a God thing. In the meantime, I'm getting involved so I can learn because learning is such a low standard. You never have an excuse not to find the need where your gifts can make a difference and then leap upon it with a passion to learn, to grow, to help, to bless. This is the Jesus way. This is the Jesus way. Uh, as arrogant as it sounds to say it, I want this to be the first church way. <laughs> We're going to try to serve and bless others. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness and blessing in our lives. Thank you for all the gracious kindness you have extended 
shed abroad into our hearts. None of us deserve to be here. All of us are flawed. But Lord Jesus, you showed us how a broken world would be made whole. You lived the life that would make a broken world whole. And then you told us in the mouth of witnesses what and how to do it and invited us to look to you as the one who showed us, as the author, the one who's going to show us and the finisher, the one who's going to help us do it. And you invited us to be part of the redemptive solution for a broken world. And so every time we're kind when we don't want to be, we're loving when we don't want to be, we're patient when we don't want to be, we are part of the solution of healing a broken world until that day comes when Lucifer is going to be bound and uh, this world is going to be made from a fallen place into a new heaven and a new earth and we are going to be forever with you in as it were a perfect place again in the same manner that eden was a perfect place christ has conquered and we will be in new jerusalem uh, with you bless your people strengthen us in jesus name we pray Amen. I love you all. I appreciate you all. I'm going to turn back on your microphone so everybody can say bye as you're checking checking off. Have a great week. We love you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.